0: most political campaigns, whether they are local or whether they are national, they're built on campaign promises. And are you kind of glad, wh- however you voted, whatever you hoped would happen, you're just kind of glad to be out of the campaigning and all of that? I just get so wearisome, you know, and it's kind of like it lasts longer every time, uh, people go into that, and and one of the things that uh, is 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 always there is the promises. You know, we promise we're going to do this, promise we're going to do that, and you know, I'm going to make this happen, going to do that. And what's kind of what's happened to us is that we've gotten a little cynical about it, right? Because of course we we've started expecting that a certain percentage, maybe a high percentage of those things, a huge percentage, a huge bigly percentage of those promises are not going to be kept. If you're, I started to say if you're my age, but you don't even have to be my age. You know, by the time you get, I don't know, high school probably, you've kind of figured out, yeah, let's wait and see how much of that's going to happen. It's just a part of politics we've sort of figured out that we expect. Promises made don't always mean promises kept. And it's not just in politics it's in business how many times have you done something and you know, they've over promised and you're gonna get this amazing deal and this and then it didn't quite uh add up to what you thought it was gonna be or it didn't work out like that it's true in relationships some of you've had your heart broken uh mine by first grade by a girl named Janie I don't know I'm sorry I'm okay I'm okay but people tell you things and they don't follow through, right? Or they don't mean it to the degree, maybe even the time they think they do. But we're used to promises being made, not being kept. I think it's it's, in, it's uh, in, endemic of our fallen nature. In fact, I think we're more used to promises being broken than we are promises being kept. And after a while, what happens? We just kind of get in a groove and we we roll with that. But today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the one whose promises are never broken and are never forgotten. What if you had one, somebody in your life, who always, with amazing consistency and faithfulness, always kept their promises. Well, God does that for his people. And unlike the way we do with each other, he keeps his promises. That's just it's wonderful. I was, I was walking last night, and I was thinking about that. And I thought, Lord, before I get up and say that, I'm just going to kind of replay or go back. And I can't remember. I can't remember all the times when I've taken things to the Lord. And maybe it's been a little thing, or maybe I've been really anxious because it's this big, life-changing thing. I, I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not just doing the preacher talk. I cannot think of a time when he did not keep his promise that's amazing it's just this wonderful thing to me because he's made so many promises to us that touch every area every aspect of our life in fact do you know how many promises there are in the bible there are 5467 promises in the bible so what I thought I would do for today's message is just to walk through each one of those in King James. Now I'm kidding. I won't do that. But you know what I will do is um, focus in on just something to kind of give you the idea. There is a psalm that I think represents some of those promises. And more than that, this psalm uh, is, is just really sweet, but it, it shows us how to respond to the promises that we see in Scripture in such a way that they become alive in our everyday life. Because if you don't experience them, and if you don't figure out how to make this real, then it's just going to stay on t-shirts and bumper stickers and coffee mugs, and it's just going to become slogans, and, and it's not something we really believe. It's just like poetry. You know, it's just, oh, yeah, we say that, but, well, I mean, we don't really mean it or think it. And this is a huge, a huge thing I want to do. I'd like to see us somehow make that jump from it just being a devotional of thought, something pretty, to being something real, that you actually, I mean, really believe. When I say, do you believe this? Yeah, I believe that. No, no, no. Do you really believe that? It's for you. It's for you. So, if you have a Bible, a tablet, a phone, turn to Psalm 145. If you don't have any of those things, we're going to put it up here for you. Now, I'm going to read this entire Psalm. It's just a few verses, but one of the things I've noticed about... um, Where we are in history is that it's tough for us to tolerate anything with any length. We want everything to be 140 characters, and that's it. And we've kind of conditioned ourselves to thinking, oh, that's really a long post. So this this is not a tweet. This is not a Snapchat. So I want you to lean into it and really just read this along with me if you can. And I want you to soak it up, okay, and stay with it. Psalm 145, I will extol you. My God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I'll meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he's made. All of your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all of your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all who look to you. And you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. For a lot of folks, when we compare the precious promises of God to the grittiness of our daily lives, it feels like there's a disconnect. We think, I, I get these promises, but then I look at my life, and I'm not feeling that it sinks. I, I'm, I, I'm uncomfortable because there's this large gap between the two. And I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and I don't want to rationalize or make excuses. I want to I wanna believe it, and I want to know that it's true. God has promised so much in his word, but too often those of us who follow him experience so little of that. And that creates this dilemma, and maybe it's one you never talk about. And you're scared, you know, maybe going into the holidays, some of your family or friends are going to challenge you about that. And you think, you know, I might can give some answers I've memorized or something, but in my heart, I'm kind of wondering that too. That's what today's all about because it doesn't have to be that way. You can walk in the fulfillment of and in the anticipation of the promises and this abundant life that Jesus talked about. The experience of God's promises today and this expectation of what he's going to do tomorrow. So today... I want to talk to you about ways we can respond to those promises because I think that's the key. I think it's in our response that this is uh, activated, you know, that that it's unleashed in our life. And I hope this is beneficial and I hope this helps us to figure out these good things that God wants to do, He really wants to do, and they're really for us. They're really for us. So whenever you're reading the Word and you encounter a promise from God... What are you going to do next? He's going to read that. You're going to highlight it, underline it, and think, oh, that's really, that's really great. Put the date by it, and then just leave it there, just leave it in the book. How do you pull that into your life? Well, I just happen to have some ideas about that, and here's, here's, here we go. First of all, believe that all really means all. It's not an exaggeration, it's not just a pithy way of saying it. I'm saying that the first response that we need to have when God makes a promise is just to believe it. And not only are they true in a general sense for some people, and I've lived there a lot of times, but they're true in a very specific sense for all people, including you. Listen to what David said in verse 13. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. Do you see that? All of his promises to all of his people. There's no restrictions. There's no limitations. There's no expiration date. There's nothing like that. Anybody, including you, can get in on this. That's why Peter, when he was preaching at Cornelius' house, this is in Acts chapter 10, he said this, God does not show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. It's not based on race or culture or what generation you came out of, your place in history, your location, all of that kind of stuff. It's not about how many times you've been to Bible studies and you've built up some points or you know that you are ready to redeem by cashing in on a promise. It's, it just doesn't work that way. It's all of God's promises applied to all of God's people everywhere, and that includes you. The promises of joy and peace and happiness and purpose and fulfillment and, and, and provision and abundance and blessing and protection. And I probably just lost some of it because you think, okay yeah, you're just just talking again, and that's not for me. It is for you, and it does apply to you if you're ready to receive that. So in Psalm 145, um, depending on which translation that you use, the word all, uh, or its equivalent, appears more than a dozen times in this one psalm. Because that's the message that King David is trying to convey here, that all of God's promises are meant for all of God's people. That's a big idea. There's something interesting about uh, biblical literature that just sets it aside from all other ancient literature, uh, especially Greek literature, especially um, everything else that was written in in this ancient, this, this time. In Greek culture, especially the word "promise" was never used in any other context except for the promises that people would make to the gods. We promise if you'll help our crops grow, if you'll fix this, if you'll do that. You know, we'll we'll do this. It was unheard of. It's unprecedented that any of the gods would ever make a promise to humans. They didn't have to do that. They're gods. They didn't. This was, this was unheard of. The idea of a God making promises to humans, it's, it's un, it's, it was non-existent with one exception. Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, this was notable among the nations that the God of Israel, the one true God was different from all the others because he was the only one who would say, okay, try me, test me, prove me. I'm going to make promises to you. He was that kind of God. He was a kind of God. And, and I know it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around it because we are so inundated in this culture and we almost kind of think that Jesus is here just to affirm us, <laughs> that he's just, you know, basically his job is to make me feel good about myself and to make me happy. And, you know, we, we've kind of gotten so into, into that side of things, which is true. I mean, you know, that's, that's true, but it's bigger than that. There's a lot more going on than that, and it's not the direct purpose. However, we kind of think that, so it's hard for us to figure out or to get this, this idea that that was unheard, that was just didn't, didn't happen. I'm God, how would I make a promise? But God did. He goes, I give you my word and I keep my word. So when you read these promises of Scripture, and since there are thousands of them, they're kind of hard not to see, you're going to come across them, you can be sure that each and every promise is true and each and every promise somehow is for you. Can be applied to you. It's a promise-filled life. So, first, um, I don't want to call this a step, but just in this in this phase, in this in this figuring this out, uh, is is just being for, for me to be able to say, I will take the promises of God serious enough. I'm going to believe all of them. I'm going to accept them as promises meant for all people, and that includes me. I'm not going to exempt myself. OK, the second um, idea is this: Boy, this one's hard sometimes. Trust that God knows which time is the right time. Which time's the right time? I usually think I've got that figured out. I mean, <laughs> I'd so trust my ideas about God. This is if you would just this one time, listen to me. I know what I'm doing. I got this. Just what? Just, just do it my way this time and just watch what ha- just, you know, and God's always like, no, Dan, you don't seem to be really good at this. I am God. I got this. But listen to what David says in verse 16. The eyes of all who look to you, you will give them their food. At the proper time, notice he says, At the proper time, at the right time, not at the preferred time. This drives me crazy sometimes. You know, Uh, there's an important distinction because, as far as I'm concerned, the preferred time, the right time, was yesterday or today. If I just thought of it today and I need the promise to be activated today, then today's when it ought to come through. Are you like that? Oh, I am just really like that. I just want, you know, Lord, thank you for this wonderful promise. I believe it. I claim it in Jesus' name and all those kind of things. I'm going to wait for it in faith. Are we done? Can it happen? If you don't mind me asking, how much longer is this going to take? Uh, I started praying about this on Tuesday. Seriously? Lord? I mean, I have a tendency to be that way. Uh, and the, the key to living your life in the flow of the promises of God is to understand that a, a promise filled life is part of the experience and it's part joyful expectation. It's part anticipation and it's part realization. It's not magic. Okay, it's not like you just you just you just do this and it just kind of happens. No. When is the promise fulfilled? At the proper time. You ever watch those movies where there's a battle scene going on and and the enemy's getting closer and closer and closer to the guys who are dug in, you know, maybe they're in a fort or whatever it is, and they go hold, wait for it. Don't shoot until I say, you know, and and as the audience we start going, "Oh man, oh come on, they're getting close. They're so close," you know, and you just want to go pull the trigger. Throw your stick or whatever it is, you know, you're going to do to defend, you know, and you just, anyways, you know, that anxiety builds up. I feel that in life sometimes, in real life sometimes. Lord, I'm going to, yeah, I'm coming through. I'm going to fulfill this promise. When? At just the proper time. Just the proper time. You got to, you got to trust. A couple of things about that, and it's taken me a long time to figure this out. One is that he's always right. He's always right about the time. You know, I told you I was walking, I was looking back. It's very seldom that there are things I wanted or asked for that I didn't want it right away. And there's very seldom, uh, in my experience at least, the times where God said, okay, you get up in the morning, it's done. You're good. How's that? I mean, every now and then that happens. And I go, whoa. You did it my way. You know, he goes, well, no, it's really my way. It's just like once in a while you match up with it. But typically, it doesn't happen like that. It comes at the right time. So don't give up. The other thing I kind of thought about was this. It was always worth the wait. It was always worth the wait. What if God had answered my prayer in the first grade? Would Janie and I have worked out? I don't think so. We had so many differences. I mean, she liked those chihuahua dogs that she had. And God bless you if you have chihuahuas. Yap, 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 I just, oh, God, thank you in your mercy that you didn't do that. What about me and Miss Singleton in the sixth grade? I did the math. She would be about 100 years old right now. I mean, maybe we could have worked it out and overcome those differences. But, you know, I just don't think, God, thank you and your wisdom. You said, no, I'm going to fulfill the promise, but not yet. So he waited. And at just the right time in college... Some of you, I know, our speaker last week, we asked him at lunch, when did you meet your wife? And he said, I was 11 years old. No, he said, I was 10 years old, and she was 12. So she didn't pay any attention to me. She just thought I was a little kid. And I thought, dude, you were a little kid. You were 10 years old. So when did y'all get serious? Did you wait on middle school before you started? You know, he says, no, that was later and everything. But God, God has kept that promise. He's really good so it's part of anticipation and there's going to be seasons of your life that you're living in expectation of the fulfillment of the promise but you gotta you just gotta don't freak out and don't panic and don't bail on your faith and don't think well none of this work no he's not true and it's not real since it didn't happen yesterday or today i guess it's just never going to happen i've done that i have felt that way but over the years and I've heard it again and again and again. And I've caught myself saying, God, you promised an abundant life. My life just feels like anything. It's so unabundant. <laughs> it, it's, you promised joy, and I'm feeling despair right now and, and peace, and I'm feeling anxiety. And you promised to use me in your kingdom, but these days I feel like I'm on the bench. And you promised to fight for me, but the devil's just beating me up. Lord, on and on. And some people say, like, well, you know what? If I don't experience it right now and God's promise is just not real and I, just can't, I can't count on it, so I'm going to walk away. Or if a disappointment comes, well, I prayed to the Lord and this happened. I'm going to tell you, be careful about using that as a measure of whether God's really who he said he was or not. We don't always understand. And I know sometimes it's serious and sometimes it's a big thing but I found that it's always worth the wait and that he's totally trustworthy. Now, most Christians I know wouldn't abandon God and do that. Most of you say, well, that's not me. I'm not going to walk away. But it's kind of like in your heart you do. You may keep coming to church and you're going to Bible studies and you're in community group, and but just real quietly you think, I don't know if I'm buying in anymore. I don't know if I can, I can trust him. We surrender. And like I said, we don't stop. We just think, well, disappointment's part of the deal. Instead of understanding this is just a season of expectation, to grow your faith and to be joyful in the Lord, don't resign yourself just to grumble and complain. And I know that's that's easy to do. Uh, But living your life in the flow of the promises means, okay, Lord, along with that, I am willing to embrace the season of anticipation and not just the season of realization that will come, and I'm going to trust you for that. I know your promises are on the way, even if I don't see them right now, even if I I don't see any way that could even happen. And you can say this with the prophet Micah. I like this in, Pro, in Micah seven seven. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, because my God will hear me. He will. He'll hear you. Now, here's the third way. The last last way of response as we lean into God's promises. Make praise an everyday endeavor. I know that almost sounds trite, or it just sounds. You think, uh, is that a just a saying? No, you know we see all throughout the Bible, but it's it's really really noticeable in, in in all through the Book of Psalms and these little sayings. You know, God wants us to praise Him every day in all situations. Praise Him for His goodness and His kindness and His faithfulness and His mercy. Praise Him during good times. Praise Him during bad times, during sunshine and during rain. Praise Him every morning. Praise Him at night. I'm going back kind of in this season of my life, and I figured out that there are gaps in books. I'm a reader, some of you are readers. Uh, and I, I figured out there are books I I, just, I never read. I skipped them somehow. You know, or maybe I read them because they were an assignment, you know, from my English teacher. And so you kind of read it, but you didn't really. So I'm going back. But it's, it's kind of hit where the last two um, just finished uh, The Night by uh, Ellie Wiesel. It's one of the sad... You're reading that? Good. We're on the same wavelength. We're, we're good. Good. Um, it's one of the saddest books, and, and in it is his struggle to maintain faith in God. And we really don't know. And he just died in, in July. Uh, we don't know where he ended up in his faith, but, but he had this tremendous struggle. And he was a survivor of the Holocaust. He was a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust. It was just horrible, the things he went through. And I finished that book, and I thought, wow, boy, that was so hard. It was just so difficult. Where, God, where were you in the midst of that? Well, now I'm reading a fiction book. And it's a book, have you ever heard of the book, uh, The Road? It was made into a movie uh, several years ago. The author is from right here in Knoxville, Tennessee, went to the University of Tennessee. I'm reading it. It is one of the most depressing, sad, and, I think, and I'm think re- i thinking, why am I reading this? And my family says, hey, Dad, hey, everybody. You know, I'm just so gloomy every day. I'm like, yeah, well, at least you're not starving and people are trying to attack you because, you know, the world's over and, you know, they're like... Yeah, okay, we got to go. See you. You're such a sad man. Uh, sometimes you get in those moods, in that place, and in the circumstances of your, your life, and you think, yeah, I'm just going to see it through that filter. Make praise a part of your everyday endeavor and watch what happens. Here's what David wrote in Psalm 92 it's a good thing. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to your name almost high. To show forth your loving kindness every morning and your faithfulness every night. You choose. You either follow your feelings with your actions and your emotions, you know, or you choose to let faith lead, and even when you don't feel like it. I was telling my son, you know, it's starting to get cold in the mornings. It was 20 nine this morning when I got up to go out and walk, and I thought, well, I don't want to walk anymore. My feelings don't want to do that anymore. So as long as it was warm, I mean, it was kind of nice. But now, you see, we don't let feelings lead the parade. You take the action. And here's what I'm finding in, in my life and what you're going to find in your life. Feelings may be absent for a while, but they'll catch up. They'll be back. They'll join you. You'll see. In this psalm, in today's text, it says in verse 2... Every day I'm going to praise you. Every day I'm going to extol your name forever and ever. I'm not going to stop doing that. Every day I'm going to make that choice. It's not, so, uh, it's not a once in a while, I'm going to do this every now and then, or when I feel like it, or when you're coming through for me in the way that I kind of wanted you to come through for me, or it's just a once-a-week religious habit while we're singing in this room, and I think, wow, that's really good, and I'm going to choose to believe that. No, it's tomorrow. It's on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It's on the other days, on the tough days. It's an every day. Uh, in endeavor. Now, in doing that, and making praise this everyday endeavor, here's some here's some things uh, that maybe will help you. One is make it a topic of conversation. Talk about it. And we talk about. I think sometimes I catch myself, rawr, 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 you know, won't work, we'll all be killed, and I'm just kind, you know, like that. And I think, wait a minute, is that my testimony? Is that what I want my kids and other? Is that what I want people to know about me? Is, wow, you were so negative though. Now, make it in verse four. It says, "One generation will commend your works to another generation, and they will tell of how hard life was, and how no, no." He says, "They will tell of your mighty works. They will tell of all the cool things you did, and they'll speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty." So, get in the habit of talking about those things. And the second thing is, is that make that a matter, a focus of meditation. Otherwise, you're going to burn up all this emotional energy, thinking about this this terrible situation and worrying about it. And I, I'm so good at this. That is my spiritual gift: is worry. And I inherited it from my mother. She would worry about. Oh my goodness! She would just. You just want to go, Mom. You're killing me. I just. And I, I realized my mama, you know, because I just, I'm kind of worried about these boxes, look at them all, I'm just sort of, uh, what are we going to, do? what if they, you know, and some of you are like that, and you think that, and that's the enemy wanting to pull you away, pull you away, you know, instead of doing that, if you can begin to retrain yourself, and your focus of meditation is on the Lord, and what beautiful things he's done. Like I said, this is kind of fresh because I push myself because I, I, I walk a lot. And while I'm walking, I'm thinking, God, I'm just going to do it, hit the reset. You know, the a replay button. And I'm just going to go back through all of these um, amazing things you've done in my life that I kind of forget about. And we just we move forward and we leave those there. Imagine how it would affect your attitude during the seasons of this in between of the expectation and the realization, if you go back and remember, oh, but yeah, you did do that and that and that and that and that, instead of worrying about that thing that's out there for you, look back and think, wow, that was kind of an amazing thing. So I'm challenging you to, to make it an own purpose, fully deliberate, everyday endeavor to recall, reflect, meditate and contemplate on those really best times of your life. One other idea. Make it a cause of celebration. I'm kind of convinced that as as an individual, as a family, and I think as a church, sometimes we don't celebrate. You know, we move towards something and we have this goal and we're trying to do something and and then it happens and we go, yay, and then we kind of move on and we just keep going. I think, and this is going to be maybe something we wire into our lifestyle in 2017, is we just take moments to celebrate. Celebrate God and to celebrate His works and His grace and His beauty and the things that He does. Verse 7 says, They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So we're going to party. I mean, you imagine this. Your dream boss comes in. And offers you your dream job, the thing you've wanted to do forever, the thing you studied for, the thing you thought, oh, if I could ever graduate and get this job. He goes, you know what? That's yours. And... Here's going to be your salary, and it's a dream. It's much bigger than you ever thought, and the benefits and the perks. And he says, this is all going to be yours, and uh, we've got this figured out. We're going to get you started in six months, okay? Six-month start date from now. Uh, This job is yours. Maybe somebody's rotating out, but it's everything you ever dreamed of. Would you walk in that office and go, thanks, I'll be back in six months, well, what if you get home and you know maybe it's your husband or your wife or one of your roommates that go, Hey, what happened today? Well, I got a job offer, but I'll tell you about it in six months because that's when it starts. I'm really, you know, no, you would be, you'd be happy now, right? You'd celebrate now. You'd say, Let's go out and eat. Let's go downtown. Let's because I've got this dream job. And it's just six months away and it's going to happen. You would feel that sense of celebration and praise. You would feel it now. In anticipation of that. That's what this is saying. I don't know if that was a great illustration. I'm kind of looking at your faces going, no, I think the first thing, I think I'm just going to wait. Now, you would be happy now because you would know. Some of you are going to graduate in, in a few months. You're already, thinking, you're already thinking about that. All these things. Some of you are going to get engaged, and, and you're going you're to start celebrating and being happy about that coming day now. You're not going to walk around. I heard you got engaged. Yeah, I got engaged, but I'm not married yet. I'm not married yet. What, what? That happens in June, okay? I'm going to be sad until then. I think, No, you celebrate now, and the parties, and the showers, and all of that. Okay, I'm just beating that to death, but... Um, Do you got it yet or do you need to keep, I can keep illustrating. We'll be here. The Methodists and the Presbyterians, everybody will beat you to the restaurants unless you get this right now, okay? Celebrate now. Celebrate now. God's going to, you don't know. You may be right on the verge, right around the corner. It's the same thing with a living faith-filled, this promise-filled life. Even while you're waiting for it, you can sense that it's coming with expectation and even an attitude of celebration. Because you know, at the proper time, at just the right time, God's going to answer. He's going to bring it. So don't waste this season. I promise, take it from a personal experience. You'll look back and think, oh, I wish I hadn't griped and complained and been whiny and cryy all about that that whole time. I, I could have been celebrating So I'm gonna close with this one specific promise in this, um, in, this, in this text because I just love this promise. And I've said a lot about this season of waiting for a promise, but this promise, there's never any wait. It's right now, right now, and it's for you. It's verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him all who call on Him in truth. Calling on Him in truth means that you're doing it with a sincere and humble heart. You really mean business. Scripture tells us that when you call on Him, He's right here. Your circumstance may not change, but you're not in it by yourself. Please don't forget that. He's with you. He sees you. He has not forgotten you. I know it hurts. I know you may be scared. Or you're broke. Or you're tired. You're waiting on the call from the doctor, or from your boss, or the test results. I don't know what's going on, but I know this God is near you. He's not going to leave, He's going to stay with you all the way through. That is a promise. That's a promise. The Lord is near those who call him. And I want you to know that whatever you're going through in your life right now, he is as close as the next word that you speak. He's right there remember how the prodigal son went home and every day the father would go out on the porch and he's looking for this son and he's looking and he's waiting and this son just even gets within sight the father didn't stand on the porch and say I'll just let him when he gets to me no this old guy just takes off running towards the son the son had this speech rehearsed and all prepared, kind of like some of you do with your parents. Okay, here's what we're going to say. Here's what we're going to say. And, and and instead he starts to he starts to, you know, to to give it out and the father just wraps him up in his arms and just starts smothering him with kisses. That's God's heart and that's his attitude. You take If there's a thousand steps between you and God, you take one and he'll take 999 to get to you. Whatever you speak next, know that this promise is so powerful and so wonderful that God is right here and he's waiting for you. He's as close as your next word. So... Let this promise be fulfilled in you today. Promises made are promises kept.